Welcome to the My Risk Advisor podcast. This podcast is for anyone in the Australian financial planning ecosystem with a focus on life risk insurance. Whether you're a seasoned advisor or just starting out, I think you'll get heaps of value out of this podcast. I'm your host, Phil Thompson, and I'm a life risk insurance specialist, and you're listening to My Risk Advisor. I'm super excited about today's episode. I get to sit down with Deline Jacovides, who is the founder and financial planner at Muzzy Wealth, and she just started eight weeks ago. So in this interview, we chat about how she moved from working for a super fund, moving to a boutique firm, going back to a super fund as an advisor, and then taking the brave step of starting her own business. And we can't do this podcast without the help of Zurich and OnePath. So I want to start by saying thank you. Zurich and OnePath are your partners in life and are also proud to supporters of this My Risk Advisor podcast. Thanks for joining me, Magdalene. Um, appreciate you coming on the podcast. Um, is, is your mum the only one who calls you Magdalene? No one calls me Magdalene. Uh, Not even your mum? <laughs> no. So when I was born, um, somebody came into the hospital and said, oh, we've got a little Magda. And my parents said, no, that's not going to happen. So they shortened my name to Deline. So I've been known as Deline my whole life. Oh, forever. It's yeah. my nephew. Fun fact, and we're going off track already. So I don't know how this podcast is going to go. But fun fact, my nephew's name is William. But literally, when they sent out the text, they said it's Banjo, even though that's his middle name. Wow. So it's like he knows himself as Banjo, everyone knows him as Banjo, but he's William. Yeah, that's his official first name. So cute. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. No worries, Deline. Thanks for coming on. So I guess let's just start off to help us understand kind of your journey and advice and what that looks like. Yeah, so I have been in financial services for 12 years and been a financial advisor for nine years. Um, the way I got into financial services was, well, I actually come from a family of fishmongers. So I have been working in like the seafood businesses since I was 10 years old. Um, yeah, cool. I'm the eldest of five children. And so we have lots of jokes in my family that my parents had heaps of kids for cheap labor. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was one of the first um, women to go to university in my family and or actually finish university. A few of them started but never quite finished. Um, and one of my goals was to get a job where I didn't have to wear gum boots and an apron for the rest of my life. So I went to university and studied. Um, I was doing business. And then in my first year, I started started. Um, business statistics and did quite well in that. Got a HD, my first one, and thought I must be good with numbers. So I switched into finance. Uh, Towards the end of the degree, I didn't really know what I was going to do, uh, but I ended up starting to work for another financial advisor, just a sole practitioner. So I was doing like an admin slash power planning type role. And how'd you get that role? Were you just like basically give me a job in anything business related? Pretty much, yeah. yeah cool. I just um, in, uh, like applied for heaps of jobs through Seek. That was during the GFC, so there weren't many grad roles going, and not many people had the resources to take on a junior and you know nurture them. So yeah, um, yeah, he had an office on the same property as his home. So they were two separate buildings, but the same block. So yeah, it was a pretty small practice, but yeah, really thankful for the opportunity at that time. 
Uh, so, yeah, I was there. I finished my degree, worked there for about nine months, and then that was on the Gold Coast. And then I decided to move to Brisbane with my um, – he was, wasn't my husband then, but my partner. And uh, he's an accountant, so we thought we would have better work opportunities up in Brisbane. And do you, did you guys do uni together? No, we met through the Greek community. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's a few years older than me. But we went to the same university. We just never overlapped. Yeah, cool. So you went to Brizzy? Yeah, I moved to Brizzy and I started working for Sun Super there. So I started in their call centre and did a few different roles. I was there for almost three and a half years. Um, so I did my diploma and advanced diploma in financial planning while I was there and I moved into the financial advice department. So I was doing phone advice and uh, in, mainly intrafund advice. Um, so I did that for, I was an advisor for three, sorry, one and a half years while I was there. And then I decided that if I wanted to be an advisor, I really had to go work for a financial planning company rather than a super fund that gave advice. Yeah. So I did like what any client would do and Google best financial advisors Brisbane <laughs> and um, read about a few different advisors and contacted them and, um, yeah, made it happen, just got a job. Um, as an so more as an associate advisor with um, Aspire Retire, yep. so that's a family-run business. It's a husband and wife team. Um, there's about 12, 12 of us all together, including the two directors. Uh, so I started as an associate there, and I was there for four and a half years, um, and then yeah, moved into I was an advisor before I left, and then decided to take a side step because I was having my second child, and went back into the industry fun land. And started working for NGS Super. So I was there for two and a half years. Um, I was still giving comprehensive advice. I was just getting the leads from the Super Fund. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, did that for two and a half years and then decided that it was now time to start my own business. So eight weeks ago, I launched Muzzy Wealth. Yeah. And, yeah, that's been my journey so far. Yeah, cool. So, I mean, how did you go going from – because you, you went from boutique – Super fund, boutique, super fund, and now your own boutique practice. How did you go kind of going from, you know, corporate land into small business and back and forward? Yeah, they've all got pros and cons, um, the different structures. So I think the most important thing is that when I was at NGS Super, I was still giving comprehensive advice. So I still had a full APL list. It wasn't like I was just giving intra-fund advice. So um, because, yeah, I guess we can all agree that there's no way you'd meet best interest by recommending a group insurance. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I haven't spoken to too many advisors who work for super funds. How does that work? Is there is there a, a, a restriction? Like, I mean, I'm going to make a few assumptions, but is there a restriction on – obviously, you can't move out of NGS super. Like, you can't make a recommendation to move oh, yeah, I do to the clients. Yeah. Okay, so there, so NGS were okay employing a advisor <laughs> who said, let's get rid of some funds from NGS super to another super fund. Yeah, if it made sense, if it was in the client's best interest, because first and foremost, my duty is as, as an advisor, not to the fund as an employee. So there were circumstances where I had recommended they the client roll out of the super fund because they may have had another product elsewhere that made more sense or because of their goals and needs. Um, 
so yeah, it did happen. It wasn't every client or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. But you wouldn't have your job for too long uh, if you're moving every yeah, client out. Yeah. How does that? I mean, oh, it's I guess speaking to an advisor, maybe talking to their the advice manager, maybe more interesting to, to work about the the economics of that because yeah, I mean, there's it's interesting kind of inherent conflict in that model Correct. i mean there's conflict in everything we do anyway Correct. so it's a, it's always like this idea that advisors can be conflict free is kind of ridiculous even if you are 100 percent fee for service there's still a conflict in any commercial arrangement yeah if you're charging a client fee you've got a conflict to try and maximize that fee and to make it as profitable as possible and and so there's always a conflict. So this idea that we can't have conflicts is kind of a bit ridiculous. Yeah. But it's interesting in that business model where they're sending you their members and saying, hey, look after them, yeah. do, do what's in the best interest. And you're saying, yeah, okay, cool, we're, we're losing money for, for NGS. Yeah, well, I wouldn't, like, like I said, I wasn't recommending everybody roll out or anything because, yeah. you know, they were still doing some good things as a fund um, and they had a big ESG focus. A lot of their um, members were teachers and community workers like nurses. So they were, um, you know, very loyal to their fund. But there were some circumstances that it did make sense for the the member to roll out um, and yeah I agree that there's conflict in everything we do as an advisor and um, I guess that's where because I, I do hear that comment a lot of people saying that this you know aligned model or you know it, 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 there is a conflict and that was part of the reason where I wanted to move out and just start my own business um, yeah just to make my own decisions have my own control over things myself. Yeah cool so I'd love to hear the journey leading up to it so how long did you know you wanted to start your own business? Has this been a dream for, for as soon as you started in financial planning, you wanted to run your own business? Was it like six months before you started mm. you decided like what was that journey? Yeah, so because I came from a family who had small businesses, I had always said when I was younger I would never run my own business because I just saw the headache my parents always had with staff. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and, you know, every business, every night at dinner time, we were always talking about business. And so I just thought that wasn't going to be a path that I went down. But as I've gotten older, there have been things that, you know, have attracted me to take that path. Um, it's been something in the back of my head for a few years now, but I just knew it wasn't the right time because I've got two young children. So I've got a four-year-old and a two-year-old. So I just kind of put that on the back burner because I knew I couldn't do everything and I decided when my daughter was two that would be the time that I ripped the Band-Aid off and I guess I thought that, you know, I would always wonder if I don't give it a go. So, yeah, that's what I'm doing now. Yeah, cool. It is scary uh, getting older and realising that we turn out exactly like our parents is <laughs> as scary as that is. <laughs> Um, awesome. So, and and in terms of just more like tactically speaking, how long did you prepare for that? Did you, you know, once the youngest was two, you knew you'd start your own business. So, were you like financially preparing for a few years yeah. beforehand? Like, well, what did that look like? Um, actually, she so she turned two in December, and then I had launched at the end of January. So, I when she was about eighteen months, that's when I thought, oh my gosh, time is ticking. Ticking. I've got yeah. to get onto this. So I started researching licensees that was the first thing I did um, because I felt like everything else would fall into place once I found a home I wasn't interested in being self-licensed at this point um, I've worked for some self-licensed companies and then other you know outsource models and 
Yeah, so I spent some time interviewing different licensees and then found one that I was happy with um, and then started trying to, you know, work out my processes, systems, and I really thought I was, you know, just to give, um, you know, be open with everyone, I actually thought I was going to be a lot more organised before I launched. I thought I would have everything down pat because I had the time, but things do just get away and take longer than I expected. Yeah. Yeah, so things Welcome like... Welcome to small business. <laughs> <laughs> so just things like, you know, even picking a name, that was so hard to do and it just seems... So why did you pick a name that no one can pronounce then if... Yeah, well, it's really hard to find a name <laughs> that's available, Phil. So, yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's really hard to find something that's available and, you know, there's a domain available and um, not too similar to someone else's business where they'd get the name, like, confused which business it was. Yeah. Um, so, you yeah, went with Muzzy, which means together in Greek. So, yeah. you know, my vibe is that I'm doing things together with the client and working with them. So, that's why I ended up going with that name. Um, I also did like the idea of uh, respecting my heritage and picking a Greek mm. word, but there's a lot of long and unpronounceable Greek words. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, there wasn't too many that well, I used. Um, Muzzy, it's spelled M-A-Z-Y. Mm. So if you're an Aussie like me, it's Mazzy, mm. um, but but obviously not not in your community, and 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 that's not how you, how you want to pronounce your name, uh, the business name. Oh, um, I'm not. But that, yeah, that's really cool. No one can say my 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 legal name. You know, my first yes. name anyway. So I don't mind <laughs> if they can't say the business name either. <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah, my my daughter is L I L A, and she gets Lila yeah. all the time, and she like her whole life she's going to be correcting yeah. people. No, it's Lila. It's yeah. not Lila. Uh, yeah. Well, so, I've got a friend yeah. that's spelt the same. Her, her daughter is the same way and it's Lila. So, there you go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. So, yeah, so you're kind of underprepared. Why Why did you decide to do it now? Was it just more of a timing um, from NGS point of view? Like why, why now and not wait another six months till you were a bit more prepared? I just feel like you'll always say, yeah, it'll just be another six months, another six months. And unless you just get in there and do it, it's. I just felt like I would be pushing it back constantly. So I really just wanted to get in there and start making it work and be forced to do it, to be honest. Um, yeah, cool. And then, you know. Oh, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Lots of people lots of people are always, oh, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it later. I'll do it later. Yeah. I don't want to be a going to do, like I'm going to do this, going to do that. Mm. Just want to actually do it. I'm about action, not just talking about it. And then, yeah, my son's going to be going to school next year. So I figured the longer I'm waiting, the longer it's going to take me to build it up. So I just wanted to start so I've got a bit of a base before my son starts school next year. And then I've got a whole new ball game with school hours and things like that to deal with. Well, did you, and in terms of like projecting the business growth and yeah. stuff, did you kind of sit down and, and build out a business plan on an Excel spreadsheet in terms of your revenue, your costs, and yeah. all of this stuff? Like, what did what did that look like yeah. in terms of preparing for that? So I'm really fortunate. Like I mentioned, my husband is an accountant, so he yeah. was um, an integral part in this business, um, and super thankful for his knowledge and expertise. So he helped uh, build out the business budget and model. So I came to him with obviously the information like um, my expected costs and expected like advice fees that I would be charging. 
And then he built the budget to then give me some milestones to aim for. So I knew I had to hit a certain amount of clients to kind of break even in terms of expenses for the year. And then, you know, this other number to replace my salary I was previously on. And then anything above that is kind of, yeah, rewarding me for my, um, for the risk and for my hard work. Yeah. 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 It's, um, I, I was talking to another advisor the other day who, who was talking about his projections in year one and I've done many projections and, and I was doing my 2023 financial year projections and it's like it's so much fun to build out a business on Excel. Um, you can make so much money but um, actually getting down and dirty and doing it is, is, is a much different story. Yeah, and I have to say like I'm only eight weeks in but um, it appears that I will need to probably hit a few extra clients um, compared to what the initial budget was because – I think I thought there was going to be a few more um, clients on the higher end of my fee range, um, but that hasn't played out just yet. They've been more in the lower to middle range. And so that's kind of dragged down the numbers. Um, Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I think, I mean, I think that's, that's a, I think a good lesson from so many advisors I've spoken to in my own experience is you just got to be ready to lose money. Mm. Um, Like as, as hard as that may be and, and it is difficult coming from a salary mm-hmm. role into being self-employed but you've got to be ready to lose money um, and the upside is should be there as well and and, yeah. and don't apologise that there will be upside long-term or there should be upside long-term um, but I think that's what yeah, people sometimes underestimate you know, how hard it is, whether you lose money for 12 months, whether it's, you know, five years, you, you're losing money. Um, but, yeah, being prepared to go and Excel spreadsheets really fun to build. But, you know, getting those clients on board and, and committing is is another thing. Yeah. And, and so I guess, you know, coming back to your expectations in terms of – so with NGS, um, were you sourcing any of your own leads at NGS or were they all no. coming from the super fund? Yeah, all coming from the super fund. Yeah, um, cool. Yeah. So, how did you go? So, for the last, you know, two, three years, you've worked in a business where you're not sourcing any leads on yeah. your own to then start your own business and that is the business yeah. is to get, get bums on seats. Yeah. How did you go about that? Well, the, a couple of years ago, I started an Instagram account and I have about, I don't know, nearly six and a half thousand followers or something on there at the moment. Um, so yeah, I started that a couple of years ago when I was on maternity leave because I remember how boring it was the first time. (laughs) So I started this account and was just giving out, you know, free financial content and started, uh, people started sharing my page and that's how I started getting some followers. And I'd often have people asking, you know, when they could become a client and how they could become a client. And so that was probably, I was probably getting one to two leads a week from that. Um, I was referring them to my friends who were advisors who had their own businesses. Um, But that was kind of, you know, that kind of made me feel okay that if I started this business that I was going to have leads coming through from my social media. And I would say about 70% of my leads that have come through so far or the people that have signed on to receive advice um, have come from my social media channels and the other 30% has come from word of mouth, uh, you know, previous clients I've had, they've sent people they know to me um, or just personal connections that have been waiting for me to start my own business so they could come on board. Yeah. Yeah, so I wasn't and too nervous. 
Yeah, cool. And and we can cut this if you're going to say anything too sensitive. But was there just, again, from the tactical point of view, because I know lots of other advisors who came from a corporate environment who when they started their business, they didn't bring over their clients and poach them and, and breach any non-competes because no one ever does that. But what type of an arrangement was there with NGS? Are you not allowed to talk to those clients? Um, like what? what's that type of an arrangement? Yeah, um, well... <laughs> Well, yeah, just like any other business, um, they don't want their the the clients leaving. So um, the reality was, I had explained because there were some existing clients that wanted to follow, but I did explain to them that my fees, the cost of the advice, would be significantly more because. I would be needing to operate on a profit for basis, not a cost recovery basis. And, uh, yeah, so in that regard, they had um, sent some friends or family to me uh, rather than coming across themselves. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And and, And you're right, working for a big company who can lose money on their advice. And then going, well, actually, we need to be profitable. Sorry, we, you know, the, the fee, the value would be the same and the service would be the same, but the cost is going to be increased by 30%. Um, and yeah, so it is obviously difficult for those clients um, to, go, to go about that. So with your Instagram page, so I, uh, we met through your Instagram page yeah. with one of my staff. I, I, I'm too old to be on Instagram. I don't know what to do on Instagram, but one of my staff put me in touch with you. So why did you change your Instagram page? Like the, the name? name? Oh, what did it used to be called? So embarrassing. <laughs> it used to be called Budget Boss Babies. <laughs> um, so that was the name that I picked a couple of years ago. I just needed a name to get it started. And that's, you know, my, my kids were babies then. <laughs> yeah. Not really babies anymore. Um, but, yeah, I just changed it to the business name. I didn't want to have a se- second uh, Instagram account to manage. So I do share a lot of like working parent mum life on there as well and my personal life as well as business type work as well. And so help me understand the, the thinking around changing it to Muzzy Wealth and not your name. Like why the business yeah. name and not your own personal name? Well, I actually polled the followers and asked them what they thought and the majority came back saying just change to the business name. That they just yeah, wanted cool. to know that the content was still going to be the same and that wasn't going to change. I have to admit for the first few weeks I did slow down on sharing personal stuff because I just felt a bit uncomfortable having everyone know who I was and also I had a lot of friends and family now starting to follow me on that account whereas before it was kind of like more anonymous um, so it did make me feel a bit weird at first, but then as time's gone on, I've gotten a bit more comfortable with just sharing my everyday stuff again. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's, so that's really interesting. So you you grew a following on Instagram, being a certain way, and then when you started your own business, you decided, oh, I may need to change it up um, instead of just going deeper into being you and, and continuing to, to be yourself. Yeah, I what, think I've gotten back there again. It just took me a few weeks to like un- get through it in my head. I don't know how, yeah. how to explain it. It just felt weird that I was talking about 
my because I, I also talk a lot about my own personal financial circumstances like I don't give out actual numbers but I do share things like what we spend on food in a month and people really love that because they like to see that I'm a real person um you know going through the same things that they're going through in terms of you know family budgets and things like that um and it just felt a bit weird sharing that knowing that all my friends and family could see it now um but I've gotten past that and I'm back to it (laughs) yeah 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 that's cool and so you know you you are you became a finfluencer I only learned that term uh a year ago yeah Um, I wouldn't call myself that but anyway (laughs) (laughs) So, um, for those listening who have no idea what Finfluencer is, it's a financial influencer. They're all over Instagram and, and TikTok. Um, so, yeah, you became, I mean, it's really interesting going, well, you know what? I'm getting all these people interested in advice through my own network mm-hmm. and through my own, you know, social media. I may as well start a business yeah. um, from it. Um, and so, you know, how has that dynamic changed? Because it's, it's, it's a little bit, did you, I guess, my question is, did you go back to the people who you sent leads to mm. and say, hey, how many of them actually came on board to kind of no, just get a health to do check? That, actually. <laughs> that would have been a smart thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Small business. It's all, it's all an it seems, experiment. It seems really obvious now that you said that. No, I didn't, but I would often um, get feedback from those other advisors that I'd sent people to um, and yeah. they would let me know how things were going and, you know, if they'd sign up and stuff like that. So, yeah, I yeah, I didn't think to do that, but um, what I found was a lot of the followers were saying that they didn't know who to trust and who to turn to for advice and a lot of these people felt like they knew me and they could trust me even though, like, I'm just a random on the internet. But because mm. I share, I, like, I am pretty open about my situation, they felt like I was relatable and understood Yeah, them. I mean, and you you are a professional advisor. Like, a lot of people that they, you know, within the Instagram and social media community, yep. they're not professionals. They're That's everyday right. people talking about finance. Um, so, it does have that level of credibility as a financial planner. Yeah. And so, you know, you're eight weeks in. How's the roller coaster of self-employment been so far? Yeah, it is a roller coaster and everyone warned me and I kept trying to remind myself it was kind of going to be like having kids where you think you're going to do a really good job and read all these books and be prepared and all that and then you have them and then it's all goes out the window. Um, <laughs> so it was a little bit like that, but not not as bad. Um, but yeah, I think week three, I did have a bit of a, a bad week where I thought, oh my gosh, like where am I going to get clients from and how am I going to make money? Because at week three, I was still, you know, getting my licensee being transferred over with ASIC and just getting logins to things. Yeah, that whole process takes so long. I'm still trying to get set up mm. with some different product providers with advisor codes and things like that. So it takes ages. Um, but then, yeah, I've, once I started having some people send back engagement letters um, and starting to feel a bit more, like got a few wins on the the board, I guess, and then that started making me feel a bit more confident again. And um, I guess also just being really clear on my fee structure as well, like knowing in my head that it needs to be a certain dollar. Otherwise, like, yeah, I'm not going to be sustainable um, at the end of the day. So, yeah, I just have to get that confidence back. Yeah, cool. And, and what is the plan moving forward? So, you know, with regards to your... 
starting a new business, where are you going to find those clients or what, what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, I think I'm just going to continue to try and focus on my social media and then also ask my then the clients for referrals. So word of mouth is also a really good way of I found of getting clients. That's worked to me in the past. Um, so that's going to be my main focus. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. It's yeah, it's always interesting starting a new business. I I love listening to the journey because you know I remember I I kind of did it the easy way. I took over an existing client base, so it was just a matter of you know I probably invested way too much time managing that relationship with those clients mm-hmm. than I probably needed to. I could have focused more on growing the business than mm-hmm. securing those relationships because they were all comfortable with me. They were they were happy with the process and. And I, looking back, it definitely slowed my growth mm. um, at that point in time. But in terms of like the type of advice that you're providing, mm. are you are you thinking about doing everything for anyone, everyone? Are you thinking about you know just providing retirement planning? You know what what does mm. that look like? Well, yeah, the last number of years, so pretty much my whole advice career, I have focused more on the retirement space, so pre-retirees and retirees. Um, I am bringing that down a notch. Like I still love dealing with the retirees, but the way I'm getting clients is not really in that space. Like there are, there are still um, a few coming through social media that are, um, you know, 60 plus and looking for advice and people are sending me, that follow me, they send me their parents or people they know that are in that age bracket. Um, but I guess I am now looking at people 40 plus seems to be so you know that sort of mid-range um in terms of the advice mid-range age I mean um and I do seem to also have quite a few single women coming to get advice from me so I'd really love to um niche down in that space I just need to work out how I send that message out there and yeah I'll have to reword my website and things like that to to get there and and with with regards to your website did you did you build that on your own or did you get someone to help you I started doing it myself and then I realized that that's not my area of expertise and I was just wasting so much time so I ended up employing a web developer to do that yeah it looks really good oh thanks um but yeah in terms of that um messaging it's really interesting kind of I mean We've talked about this before. I, I'm a big believer in just talking to one segment yeah. and going all in because you'll pick up every, you know, the people around. So if you talk about, you know, working with single women yeah. and that's who, you, that's who you do, you know, that you work mm-hmm. really well with, just if you've got a, a couple, retiree couple, they're not going to not want to work with you mm-hmm. if they've been referred to you and they, and they want to mm-hmm. engage with you. But at least your website says specifically, this is who we want to work with. Um, and so... Yeah, if you know, you know my my view. I just, do. <laughs> just reword your whole reword your whole website and talk about who you want to work with. Yeah, and then you'll you'll pick up other clients as well. well I think there's still um, like a lot of other people have said when you've interviewed them on this podcast um, and just in general, lots of people say you didn't. They didn't think there was enough um, depth to be able to specialize in one type of area or one type of advice, and they're worried about yeah niching down that to that level but yeah you're right um it is people don't know what advisors do so if you can be really clear on who you want to give advice to and the type the types of problems they've got you'll be able to answer those like come up with the solutions really a lot easier and clearer yeah 
Yeah. And and I think it's it's scary. That's that's the other mm. thing. Like I mean, I I thought when I started my business, I didn't niche. I heard niching was the way to go forever. I spent eight years thinking I was so much smarter than everyone else <laughs> who, ever, who has ever run a business before. Um, and I mean, I still think that way. I got an ego as big as you know. The, the, one of the biggest. I mean, mostly um, advisors too, so it's but, not just you. But, yeah, <laughs> but but I thought, oh, look, you know, advice, I can do it differently. I can yeah. do it so amazing because I'm better and, you know, I've got a fresh eyes on advice. But at the end of the day, like most good businesses, they, they niche. Facebook, one of the biggest businesses in the whole entire world, they started by niching okay. um, and then they expanded if, if it worked for their business. Um, so it's, it's really interesting kind of going – well, yeah, that, that sounds like a good idea. But when you're in the trenches, you're eight weeks in and you're going, hey, I need new clients and you've, yeah. it's scary going, yeah. well, this messaging is basically you, you think it's going to turn people away. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult to actually, mm. you know, put a line in the sand and say we do do this and we don't do this. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. It was definitely scary because you, it was kind of like, well, if someone wants to pay me and get advice from me, who am I to turn them away? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, exactly. But like you said, even it, it doesn't mean I can't work with those people, but it just means I want to be clearer moving forward on who my ideal client is. So, yeah, I just feel like there's lots of value I can add to those single women and they've, they've still got a lot of you know, variety in the type of advice because I've got some women that are in their 60s looking to retire um, that have been um, divorced in the past. I've got um, like one lady contacted me last week. She's an accountant and her husband has passed away and she's now receiving a death benefit and wants advice on what to do to help her and her daughter. I've got another lady who's who's just sent her husband into aged care and needs advice on now taking over the family finances. She's never been involved in that. Um, yeah, other women just never um, partnered or, or had children and so want to make sure that they're financially secure to look mm. after themselves. So there's still heaps of variety in that space. Yeah, I mean, there, I mean, it's huge value add that you, that you can provide, like what the big, biggest growing, you know, demographic mm. of homeless yeah. people is um, – you know, females 50 plus, yeah. I think, or 50, 55 plus. Yeah. Um, and so there's definitely a need yeah. and, and definitely a, a need for good advice in that area. Um, so, you know, eight weeks in, yeah. what do you wish you did differently either in the preparation or in the last eight weeks, you know? Oh, gosh. I just I think I, I would have liked to have, uh, yeah, like I thought I was going to have my, you know, email templates and processes like a bit more down pat. You know, I do most of my advice virtually. So, um, you know, I've got some slide decks I go through in meetings. Would have ha- liked to have that uh, more set up, but I don't think I could have. I just, yeah, I think you just, I'm, I'm the type of person I kind of need a deadline just to get things done. So, yeah, yeah it's just the reality. <laughs> yeah, well, got two more questions for you. Sure. When do you get a chance to do your emails? I knew you were going to ask this and I still, yeah, don't even know how to answer it <laughs> um, because I do listen to the other episodes. Um, I 
Yeah, I'm, I'm one of those people that just checks it all day, every day and get distracted by emails, unfortunately. yeah. Do you do it after hours as well? <laughs> yeah, I do because I generally start later. I usually do, you know, drop off with kindy and childcare, go to the gym and then get on the computer like 9, 10 o'clock and yep. then I'll work till the kids come home and then I'll get back on after the kids have gone to sleep. Yeah, that's what I'm doing at the moment. And I also don't really work on a Monday normally. So, yeah, yeah I'm kind of doing these compressed hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I am um, during our Christmas holidays, I deleted the email app off my mm-hmm. phone because it was just a, it was a really bad habit of just always refreshing email. Yeah. It's like, I'm not going to respond to them. I'm not going to actually sit down. And so it's like, well, what's the point in me even looking at it if yeah. I'm not going to action anything? It's just going to give me stress that that I don't need. I know. I think that too. Why do I do that to myself? But anyway. (laughs) And um, and what kind of interesting hobby do you have? Oh, gosh. Um, I don't know if they're hobbies, but I've been trying to get back into my health and fitness the last year. Um, So... I was going to ask you, what what is a gym that you speak of? What is this? (laughs) I've never never seen one before. Yeah. So, um, I used to be quite active when I was younger. I did karate as a child and teenager for seven years. I'm a first-hand black belt. So, I've always been a bit of a... Yeah, did competitions and stuff. So, used to be a bit of an athlete when I was a teenager. Um, I've always really been into my health and fitness, but then had kids and then it was kind of like, do I exercise or sleep? Um, and then also just, you know, eating for survival <laughs> for a while. Yeah. Um, and then because I did go back to work quite early, my first born was five months when I went back to work and then my second um, was during COVID time. So I extended that out to eight months, which was good. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the last year has been real trying to a real focus on getting my health and fitness right. So I, I think that's a Are hobby. you going to go back to do karate again? No, I think it's been too long now. That was I finished that up when I was a teenager and I moved from Sydney to Queensland and I could never find the right style because there's all different, yeah, like branches of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you going to get the little ones into karate? Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, yeah, I'd really love to. My husband's South African though, so he really wants my son to do rugby. So, yeah, yeah I've got to work out what we're going to do there. Real, real rugby? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, not, yeah. not league. Not league, union. Yeah. Yeah, yeah cool. <laughs> um, well, I know I've said this to you um, personally, but I think it's great going out on your own. It's always scary um, doing it. It's easy to be in a corporate, not easy to be in corporate, but comparatively it is easier to stay in your job um, and continue to get the paycheck and obviously work really hard and, and, and it is difficult working for someone else but taking the leap, having a four-year-old and a two-year-old, so young family, going out on your own, um, it's something to definitely be commended for. Um, so great job for taking that leap and worst case scenario, it all fails and, and you've got a little bit of debt at the end of it and, yeah. and you go get a job somewhere else. <laughs> well, that's it. And um, I guess just to like round it off, you know, I am in a p- position where I'm quite fortunate. My husband still has a secure role. We've still got income coming through there. And yeah, so it's not like I'm starting and we've got no income as a family and I'm the only income earner. Um, so yeah, still fortunate that way. Yeah, and the younger you are, the definitely the easier you are, yeah, the easier it, it is because you're already young and poor. So, you know, <laughs> starting your own business, you're not going to get much poorer than, than when you are when you're quite young. So, mm-hmm. so that's good. 
Awesome. Well, how do people get in touch with you if they um, want to get in touch and ask you questions about your business or about you know how everything's going? Uh, so they can get in touch with me on LinkedIn under Delene Jacobides. Um, that's where I connect with a lot of advisors. Also through Instagram, my other main platform. So that's Muzzy Wealth, M-A-Z-I Wealth. Um, yeah, Pronou- yeah, pronounced Mazzy Wealth. Mazzy, yeah. <laughs> Mazzy Wealth. Yeah, so they're probably the two main ways they can contact me or through my website as well. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you very much for coming on. I really appreciate um, you taking the time out of your busy schedule um, to have a chat. Thanks, Phil. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. If you've enjoyed this episode and you think someone else will get value out of it, I'd love it if you could forward it on to them. And as always, we can continue the conversation in the My Risk Advisor Facebook group. All you need to do, open up Facebook and search My Risk Advisor and I'll see you in there.